I'm one of your pastors here on staff, our lead pastor, Gary Gadini. He's actually back uh, east in Detroit. We have annual meetings for our covenant. And Tabitha, who's usually at our piano, has just finished up her commissioning ordination process. And you might not even really know Nick, but Nick over is the back, runs all, of, he's the backbones of all of our Sunday gatherings. Nick, who was leading today, oversees uh, all of our sound and media, but you can tell he's also a very gifted worship leader in that. And so we're blessed with that today. So we kick off a new summer series, This Is Us, and This Is Us, and we stole the title, you might know this, uh, from uh, a show on NBC. Have you seen the show? And the show called This Is Us, we're not even promoting the show, so don't worry, we're not going to like thread the show every week through the series, we're not doing that, the show's not that good, okay? And, uh, but here's what's interesting about the show, the show draws people in. Because it's a story about the Pearsons. It's a family, the mom and dad. She's just about to have all those kids in that, uh, that photo right there. She actually has the twins in the middle. And then they adopt uh, the African-American son in the hospital on the same day. And then so goes the journey of the story. And we really deal with them more as adults. And it's endless flashbacks. And you're drawn in because of their humanity, their desire to do good, and their flawedness. And it just draws you in as do most good stories. Hence, we're going to study um, Old Testament characters who are just like us. And these Old Testament characters are ones who have journeyed with God. They're flawed. They're a mess, okay? They don't always do the right thing, but they understand that there's this faithful God to endlessly and endlessly return to. So my hope is that... uh, You find yourself in this. But as we study these biblical characters, here's what I want you to be aware of. Take a look at this slide. and just I'll read this to you, and I want you to digest it and take it in. The point of the people who fill the pages of Scripture is not to emphasize their greatness, but God's glorious work through them and then our connection to their humanity. God's ultimate plan involves bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth through regular, messy humans, and this is us. So I almost want you to see that if they can do it, we can do it. I sent out a Gmail this week. I was the guest writer on the Gmail. It goes out weekly that God calls ordinary people. Um, The one thing I dislike about this job, they're like, oh, you're a pastor. Those are the things you do. Only pastors can do that. And I go, no, 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 no. When I read the text, I see endless stories about ordinary people. In the West, we've kind of messed it up and we've put a hierarchy uh, in some ways, and it's good and bad and has its flaws and strengths. But in the end, we're all called to reflect the glory of God and live out the purpose that he has for us so people see and experience the power of God. We're all called to bring a bit of heaven to earth. So it's interesting, when you find a simple phrase in the book of James, it encourages me about this series. Because Jesus had a brother, his name was James. You're not going to see this, but maybe just remember where it is. And in James 5.17, he was describing one of the people we're studying, Elijah. And this is what he says in James 5.17. Elijah was a man just like us. Human, flawed, imperfect, but with God, empowered, incapable of things well beyond. I love the story of Paul. You ever see the story of Paul? Where this guy was going the wrong way. He was attached to the wrong things. And he was actually averse to Christians. 
So he had a lot of things working against him. And then all of a sudden, the love of God came down as we sang and changed everything. There are other characters that we'll study. There's a list of them actually uh, in your insert. We're going to study Gomer today, Abraham next week, then Moses and Hannah and Ruth and Elijah and then Elisha, then Job, then Daniel, and then Abigail. Well, you may not realize we always do the Old Testament in summer here at PCC in some fashion or in some form. And my hope is that you get to know these characters. You find one and goes, that relates to my life. And you're inspired by those characters, just like when we watch a TV show or a movie, at times we're inspired. That This Is Us series, I got drawn in because I'm inspired by Jack the dad. I think God has been used Jack the dad to help increase my fatherhood and husbandry. If you really had to get into my journals and understand what God's been doing and what he's been using. And that's what I hope here. Our big idea, though, for the whole series, and I want you to see this and hold this even today. The big idea is this. God works through ordinary people just like us. I hope you believe that more and more and more. And you get rid of the pastoral hierarchy. You get rid of I'm not good enough. You get rid of because today you're going to see how God uses a broken marriage. And I also believe that God wants us to realize we can live this out. We can live out the Word of God like these people have. So I want us to jump in, and let's get to our person today. We're going to study Gomer. So open up your Bibles to Hosea. It's a small little book in the Old Testament, page 898 in your pew Bible. And some of you know some things probably about the book of Hosea. Some of you might know the name Gomer. But I want you to embrace them both today in a mighty way. And as you're opening up, I want you to know a few things about Gomer. She's a wife, she's a little-known wife of a lesser-known prophet. Prophets were people in the Old Testament that God gave messages to, to tell the people of God, specifically Israel, what they should and should not be doing. And what's wild is you can see up there the timing. During the 8th century, Hosea was a prophet that God would speak to and then he would convey that message to a very battered and broken Israel that was challenged to really follow God. So much so that God took Israel, split it in half, made northern kingdom and southern kingdom, and by 722, he just annihilates them. They no longer exist. And then Judea still exists and that's where actually Christ will come from at that point. And so Hosea is screaming out, be forewarned. You're going to be destroyed unless you change your ways. But the irony is he's just not a prophet. He's a living example of God's gracious love to an unfaithful people. And it all is symbolized in his own marriage. It's crazy. Take a look at this segment from Right Now Media so you understand it a little bit more. The book of the prophet Hosea. Hosea lived in the northern kingdom of Israel, which he sometimes calls Ephraim or Jacob, about 200 years after they had broken off from southern Judah. Remember the story from 1 Kings. Hosea was called to speak on God's behalf during the reign of one of Israel's worst kings, Jeroboam II. The nation was descending into chaos, and in the year 722, the big bad Assyrian Empire swooped in and decimated Israel. Again, see the story in 2 Kings. And Hosea had seen all of this coming. 
The book is a collection of some 25 years of his preaching and writing. It's almost all poetry. And this whole collection has been designed to have three main sections. Let's just dive in and you'll see how it works. The opening part tells the story of Hosea's broken marriage to a woman named Gomer who commits adultery. Now, it's not totally clear whether Gomer slept around with other men before or only after they got married, but they did have three children together and things fell apart. The important point is that God tells Hosea that despite Gomer's unfaithfulness, he is to go find her, to pay off her debts to her lovers, and to commit his love and faithfulness to her once again. And then God says that all of this, the broken and repaired marriage, the children, it's all a prophetic symbol telling the story of God's relationship to Israel. And now let's read it together. Open in Hosea chapter 1. Verse 2, we'll read 2 to 8, then we'll flip to chapter 3. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim. And she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish that house of Jehu. For the massacre of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo Ruhamah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judea, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horse. And horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After that, after she had weaned Lo Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo Emi, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Turn to chapter 3. Sometime later, the Lord said, Chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Sometime later, the Lord said to me, which is Hosea, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and they love, love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. What a crazy story. Anybody want to be involved in that story? I often say to my kids that the day in which God birthed you into this world is the day in which you entered the grand story. And unless you understand that you've entered this grand story, you will always fight against the narrative that God has for you. Did you hear that? (laughs) Can you imagine being Hosea? This is the grand narrative. Gomer, based on her brokenness, just keeps, keeps running from the grand narrative, just keeps running from it and attaching herself to other things. 
But this story is really a story of sacrificial love. One of the other pastors on staff, Scott Scott Kirksey, said to me, and I wrote this down, the book of Hosea is, in the timeline of biblical books, is the first where God reveals his relationship with mankind with this much vulnerability. He, in essence, is saying, I love you, and your waywardness hurts me. Prior to this, God was this divine and powerful presence but not a faithful husband on a cheating wife. It's an interesting story because it very much personalizes the love that God has for us. I hope you see in here this sacrificial love story. God calls the prophet Hosea to marry an unfaithful Gomer. God then tells Hosea to go love and receive her back again and again and again and again. I'm not sure if I was giving counsel to somebody, I would say that. But I've seen that happen in a life when a spouse was out of bounds and out of bounds and out of bounds and out of bounds and the husband again and again and again and again and at times was even counseled against it. I'm not saying that's the exact same way we should live out each of our narratives, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But I watched that couple come back together and live in a way that I never expected. It was beautiful. Gomer was actually bought back for a homer. You'll never forget that from this point forward. Gomer, homer. That was one of my favorite things when I ever first read the story. Oh, Gomer's bought for Homer. I can remember that now. How much is a Homer? It's about 100 bucks. It's a lot for Hosea. Hosea then promises her faithfulness and calls her to a new way of life. What are you thinking right now? Let's do this together out loud. There's three questions that are going to come up. And I want you to tell me, what are your observations and questions that are stirring in you right now? What is your frustration? What seems unfair and just nuts? And how could he? And why should he? And what's her deal? What does it say about God? Where are you in the story? I won't have you admit that publicly right now. That was supposed to be funny. (laughs) I hope you wrestle with that a little later. But I'm not going to ask you to admit that now. Come on, what are you thinking? What are you feeling based on these questions? Let's share a little. Somebody. I'm thinking... I'm frustrated with, I wonder why. What's that? Seems so unfair. Which part? Yes. Yes. Doesn't it say in the New Testament, adultery, you can divorce? That's why I've always wondered. In Matthew, it says that. In the New Testament, in Hosea, it says this. And I go, shouldn't those be switched Shouldn't the law and judgment of what seems to be in the New Testament play out in the Old Testament in this gracious love that's endless be in the New Testament with Jesus? Somebody else? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the culture was so out of alignment and so worshiping of other things that God took his most public instrument and then put it on to display what the true issue was. Wow. Someone else. 
Can you imagine? I think of how we named our children. It wasn't to give anybody a message. <laughs> and in some sense, though, it is, if you do think about naming of children. But it wasn't to give them, like, a negative message. Okay? Some people call their kid Hope. I mean, well, why'd you name him Hope? You know? Why'd you name him Abraham? Why'd you name him Jill? Like, th there's reasons before that, and those are usually positive. This first name, Jezreel, it seems when you first look up the name that it is positive, it means God plants. You go, oh, that's not so bad. But you know how they planted back then? They scattered. And that's what this really means. God scatters. You look at the next two, the next two, not loved, not my people. First, the second gathering asked, Whatever happened to the kids, did they get to change their names? <laughs> you know, counseling at 26, I'm changing my name to Fred, you know. Someone else, what are you thinking, feeling? I'm always insecure. I always feel insecure. And grace is poured on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's such an interesting story that relates to us between the kids Yes, this reflects Israel's unfaithfulness to God, but his endless pursuit of them. This reflects the buying back that we've all been bought back by. This reflects God's desire to be with his people and saying that he'll stay with them. I want you to go a little farther, page three of your notes. This is us. I'm sorry to start this series off and say, guess what? We're as adulterous as Gomer. But we would probably be in denial if we didn't acknowledge that. We think adulterous in this context uh, means many things. In our context, in our day and age, we think of adulterous only in sexuality. But Jesus did say in Mark 8, what in an adulterous, sinful generation. And so even Jesus in the New Testament clarifies that we can be adulterous people going after other lovers going after other lovers than our first love of Christ. So let's look at how Gomer is really like us. And will you personally allow yourself to go deep into this well, knowing that it's surrounded by the love and power of God? And this isn't about being condemned. This is about allowing God's wisdom to show you something and allow his love then to push you in a new direction. Does that make sense? That's a whole different way than condemnation. Gomer is like us in the way that she is enticed to satisfy her needs in something other than God. Look what it says in 3.1. Though she is loved by another, she's an adulteress. Something happened with Gomer in her early life that her core needs were not met and then led her to use a coping mechanism, escape of sexuality. That happens actually to some of us. Maybe she felt powerless. Maybe she, it was esteem. She lacked esteem. Maybe she never felt safe. So lovers made her feel safe. Lovers made her feel valued. Lovers made her feel like she could control something when everything was so out of control. That's why we end up in other places. Because these unmet needs, and write these down, of our desire for power and control, our desire for esteem and being valued, and our deep longing for security and safety. Did you get those? Power, esteem, security. Those, when we don't get them from God, 
will get easily attached to other things. That's why in John it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. We can get overly attached to things. And look at what it even says later in the text. It's not on the screen, but hear these words. After he says there, go love her again. She's an adulteress. I just told you why she was an adulteress. Then God says, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Would you underline raisin cakes? We're talking a little different than the raisin bagel from Costco. We're talking the raisin cake that was used as a means where they would put alcohol in it and other things, and they'd, they'd, they'd just consume these, and it was an act of worship towards other gods. Just like you were saying, they were, it, was an, it was actually an act of worship by consuming these raisin cakes. But isn't it interesting? Sometimes when I feel like I'm lacking power, sometimes when I'm not feeling so good about myself and I'm lacking value, sometimes when I'm not feeling secure, I find myself searching for raisin cakes in the refrigerator. Anybody else? When our unmet needs stay unmet and we don't let God to, and our unmet core needs are not satisfy them, we're easily drawn to fill them with other things. Sometimes that leads to alcohol. Sometimes, like her, it leads to sex. Sometimes it leads to just working too much. When my need to feel value and esteemed in my role I'll just do more. And so the God becomes the God of me feeling valued. And my raisin cakes are just the more hours I work. Are you with me? It's easier to identify our raisin cakes (laughs) than it is to actually figure out why we're eating them. But the answer always comes back to God. Allow him to satisfy those needs. There's a monk that has a great quote that I appreciate. You'll see it on the screen. He says, as we experience wounding in areas of our core psychological needs, power, esteem, and security, we develop attachments to people, places, and things. Do you get she had an unmet need, and she attached herself to a lover to try to meet that? And we also have aversions to people, places, and things, and situations. So we'll often run from things, okay? And we'll often run to things to satisfy our unmet needs. And God and Hosea is saying, no, no, no. Just run to me. Run, run to me. This is part of the reason I think why people like this is us. Because those characters... You see them based on their family of origin issues, like Jack the dad. He had this overbearing dad, all right? He had no control. So as a dad, he's trying to control everything. And he, his raising cake is, I'll always make peace. I'll always make peace. I'll bring peace to this family. I'll bring this peace to this family. And when he can't make peace to his family, he runs and finds himself in alcohol because it's so out of control, he doesn't know what else to do. I'd go right down a list of all those characters, but we don't have time. The reality is also, I want you to see that Gomer helps us understand that we've been bought, just like she was bought. Look what the line says about how much she was bought for. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver. Silver means redemption when it's used in the Bible. And about a homer and a length 
a lethic of barley. Barley was always used to buy back an adulteress. That was the common, common thing that you had to use. Corinthians reminds us that we were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Do not become slaves to humans. Hosea is the Christ-like figure sacrificing himself with his $100 that would have been thousands upon thousands uh, in reality for the one he loves. And that's what God's done for us. Look at the promise that she's given. It's, you almost miss it in Hosea 3. Then I told her, you're to live with me. That's what God is actually saying to each of us. Oh, don't go after those raisin cakes. When you're chasing after those other gods and devouring those things to satisfy you, no, 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 no. Live with me. Come back to me. Let me satisfy you. Let go of those crumbs and come back and let me nourish you. Live with me. Will you live with me? This is, this is the same with with me that's used when Emmanuel, who's God with us, and in Isaiah, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Do not run after those other things. And when you do, realize I'm your God. Come back and receive my strength. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. And then finally he calls her out. This song, Love Came Down, it's calling us out to the love that God has for us. And Hosea calls her out, and look what he says. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. He's calling her to a new way. I think it's really important that we identify the other gods in our life. Remember, the best way to do that is to look at the raisin cakes first. So it would be like this. Why am I drinking so much? <laughs> like, why? I know this feels good, but why am I drinking so much? Like, what's the core need that's not met that I'm trying to wash this away with? Does that make sense? Why am I working so much? Why am I so angry? What, what is it about the lack of control that I'm choosing anger? What's, what's the deep thing in me that, that is missing? Why am I escaping in sex? Why am I, why am I, why am I? Are you with me? But what is in that question is freedom. That's what's so amazing is freedom. And gosh, you meet someone who's experienced freedom from any of those things, and they're just free. And it's glorious. And God wants to do that with us. You look, it says in 2 Corinthians, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I think often in our tribe, we get too focused on our sinfulness. Oh, I'm bad, I can't get out, I'm just bad. Versus there's this inner goodness that God has given us, it's called his image, that he just wants to shine more. And we gotta get, let some of the other stuff go so that it can shine more. I know that sounds like a glass hemp empty or half full way of thinking of it, but I want us to do that because I think as evangelical Christians, we focus too much on our sinfulness than the saintliness that we're called to. And my reaction is you'll end up with wherever you're focused on. You know what I mean? So if you focus on, I got to get away from these raisin cakes, I got to get away from these raisin cakes, I got to get away from these raisin cakes, guess where you are? You're in the raisin cakes, you know, versus, God, I, I, I got to get closer to you. And God, will you help me? Why, why when this happens, it stirs in me this feeling 
And God, remind me again, you love me, right? And God, okay, seriously, I was born at a certain time for a certain purpose. Tell me that again. What's the song I can sing that reminds me of that? You get it? And then the inner goodness will start to come out. And you are, in essence, repenting by just refocusing. It's hard. I've spent a lot of time trying to get away from the raisin cakes. I think I'm just beginning to understand turning this way. And I just want it more and more. Because I'm just tired of that and what that does and who it impacts and how I feel about that. You got the best of me. I didn't cry the first two gatherings. But do you get it? And that's what God wants us. My friend Thomas Keating, who I don't know but I like, says this, the fundamental goodness of human nature is a mystery and it's an essential element of Christian faith. Understanding that you're fundamentally good. You are a saint and a sinner, but can we focus on the saint part and move more towards that? And he goes on to say, the basic core of goodness is capable of unlimited development. So the glory of God that's in you is just yearning to come out. We just have to write our focus and not keep going back to and back to like Hosea. It says the acceptance of our basic goodness is a quantum leap in our spiritual journey. Otherwise, we label ourselves not good. So I'm wondering today, will you open yourselves up to the Hosea Christ-like love and let go more and more of your Gomer-like brokenness so that the goodness of God within you can develop more and more and more? This is the journey God has for us. He does. There's some questions I want you to acknowledge, and I want to bring up uh, Nick and the band again because we're just going to do a time of ministering to ourselves. But look at these four questions that are come up. Here's the first two. Get serious and just identify it out of love right now, out of your desire to follow God, not out of condemnation. What are the other gods? Do you seek power? Is that your God? Do you seek esteem? Do you seek security? Sign me up for all three of those. What are your other gods? And then what are the raisin cakes that you find yourself eating that worship those gods? Overworking, holding back, I don't know. God knows, though. Being angry, controlling. And do you, or do you, not or, but do you doubt or believe that God has a loving, a pursuing love for you and he's actually bought you back? Do you believe the cross and the power of the cross? It's a huge question to ask because Gomer's struggling with that. Look at the next question. Do you doubt or believe his promise that he's actually with you, that the Holy Spirit can bring change in you? That's an amazing thought. But do you believe it, and are you asking God for it more and more to stir in you? And then what's he calling you to let go of? What are the raisin cakes he wants you to let go of and turn to him and ask him to help you reflect his image more and more? Take a moment. Nick and them are going to come down. At least Nick is. These questions are for you right now. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us.
like you to consider receiving prayer for a specific area right now. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up if you feel like you fall into one of these four categories. They're just really related to the four questions. So if you find yourself easily enticed by things, easily drawn to other gods, if you find yourself uh, easily in the raisin cakes, uh, stand. If you're struggling with accepting that you are actually being pursued by God right now, that he's pursuing you endlessly even when you're not facing him, and that you actually were bought back, so you were, you're being pursued and you're bought back. We're really talking about, do you believe what the cross has done for you? Stand up if you need prayer for that. If you're wanting to believe more and more that God's promise of his Holy Spirit is in you, and that power and presence uh, of faithfulness can make great change, stand up. If you're wrestling with the Holy Spirit working in you and you almost doubt it, and then finally, stand up if you're wanting to let go of your old life. You're tired of going there, and you would like to go there towards God more. And you'd like to release the raisin cakes and shed the gods of power and shed the gods of self-glorification through esteem and shed the gods of having to feel safe and secure. Stand if you're wanting to go in a new direction. And then close your eyes and just listen to the music. Sounds like a trickle to me. Like the grace of God just flowing over us. Receive this prayer with your hands out. Lord, we are people just like those in the Bible. This is us, God, easily enticed, doubters of your cross and its power, unsure and sometimes unaware that your spirit is stirring in us, forgetful that the inner goodness is just yearning to come out. Forgive us, God. Now turn your hands, palm down, palms down as a sign of letting go. So God, give us strength to let go. Give us crazy amount of awareness and wisdom this week as we find ourselves in the raisin cakes. And may we follow the crumbs back to our heart and to you to find out why we do that. And then God, may we find the people and your promises that help us just continue to walk with you more than less. So we ask this. In the powerful name of Jesus, and all God's people, said amen. You've been listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church Podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com. 